Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but I'm looking forward to getting to know. She's an actress coming back into the business after raising her family. She's also a stand-up comedian and a writer, and she's going to be launching her own podcast called Crazy Catholic Lady coming out at the end of June. It's Patty Kiernan. Hi, Patty. Hi, Julia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit better. So why don't you share a little bit more about yourself with us? Okay. Um, I was born and raised in New Orleans, so I'm from the Deep South. I wanted to be an actress from as early as I can remember. I majored in that in college. I did theater. I was also raised Catholic. I got my sacraments, but I really didn't get the faith. I was kind of like, I guess we were culturally Catholic, although we didn't really go to church that often. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I grew up knowing God and unloving God and, um, or so I thought. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I moved out to California um, when I graduated college and I spent about seven years out there and spent some time in New York and pursuing acting. And um, I eventually left acting to raise my family. But in my early thirties, I had a huge conversion back to the faith. It was, it was quite extraordinary. It, it took me by surprise and it, it uh, changed my life. I am a devout Catholic now, at least I consider myself that. And uh, my faith is really so important to me and it informs everything I do. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Great. That's awesome. So <laughs> you are in, you were raised in New Orleans and it definitely is, I've been there and that Catholic culture is very um, present, but it's like a different kind of Catholic, you yeah, know, I feel like I love how like, yeah, go ahead. It's very, um, it's very rich Catholicism. It's statues and it's candles and it's that, that kind of, I think of it as more ethnic, more the Italian, mm -hmm. French, Spanish Catholicism. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. They have that have fun too, like all the festivals and the parties. Oh, absolutely. And, and, really and there's celebrate. so much of, of the life in New Orleans that kind of revolves around the Catholic faith. I mean, Mardi Gras mm -hmm. is all about mm -hmm. getting yourself through the 40 days of Lent so that you have mm -hmm. one big party, so you don't want to do anything for 40 days. So it was a great place to grow up and a lot of Catholic statues everywhere too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my, it's, this is this is a total aside, but uh, a little bit about me. I, you know, people have phobias are not rational and I have always been slightly afraid of statues. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, we're Catholic and I, I went to uh, school in DC and I, I lived in DC for a very long time. So everywhere, like anyways. Oh yeah. No, there is, there's a Padre Pio statue in my local church. That's like, it's, he looks very intense. He's a little scary, uh, you know, uh, but I'm always like telling people it's not creepy. It's Catholic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Catholics are so creepy. And, my, and I, I mean, like at my students, we talk about relics or, and you know, and they'll just be like, wait, so there's like a piece of bone in the church and it's just hanging out for people to oh, go. Yeah see like it's it's we're so creepy i totally i went to see saint catherine of siena's thumb when i was in italy i'm like this is insane yes. but it was very exciting and very moving you're so you're so moved to pray in front of that thumb absolutely you know? like, absolutely like... i just I, I i adore the catholic faith i mean i i just love it i love the relics i love our statues i i, I feel very lucky to be catholic that's awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to hear more about your faith and um, why you picked this passage. So if you are ready, I'm going to have you read. You've picked John 21 verses 1 through 14 to kind of read. And then we're going to kind of talk a little bit about just John 21 in general. But if you're ready, whenever yeah, you're ready, you good. read that for us. 
After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in for the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes, for he was stripped for work, and sprang into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish lying on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, so I'm going to give a little bit of like where we're at in John's gospel. So this, and, and, and he mentions it here, this is after the resurrection. We actually just celebrated the ascension last week as we're recording this. We're still in kind of the octave between ascension and Pentecost. And um, this is one of the post-resurrection stories where Jesus is appearing to people, as John mentions, and often with food. So we'll talk about it, but in Luke's gospel and also here in John's gospel, in these post-resurrection narratives, Jesus reveals himself. He, people don't know, recognize him at first, but they recognize him when they have a meal with him. So I can't wait to talk a little bit more about like why we think that is and, and all of that. Yeah. So my first question, though, is why did you pick this passage? <laughs> well, to me, you know, one of the things I think being an actress, I whenever I read scripture, at least after my conversion, I really try to put myself in into that that scene. And I'm often thinking about as, as characters, like the disciples. And I, I love this passage because it, for me, it gives me some clues into the personalities of the disciples, a little bit to Jesus and their dynamics and how they work together. I just feel like even in the beginning, you think of the disciples, what they've been through. So they have this three years of up and down with Jesus, and they're trying to understand mm -hmm. where he's coming from. And then suddenly you have the crucifixion, the passion of the crucifixion. And they, they were probably just like, what is going on? And you have mm -hmm. Peter's denial and their wor world is kind of turned upside down suddenly. And then he comes back and he, he appears to them in the upper room twice. He kind of appears and then disappears. It's, mm -hmm. They must have been so like uh, unbelievably like what is happening? Mm -hmm. It just And the fact that Peter's just like, he, I feel like he's kind of like, I just don't know what to do. I'm going to go fishing because that's what he knows. <laughs> he knows yeah. fishing. Like if I can just get on the boat, everything will, I'll understand everything. And I can totally relate to that. 
And the other disciples are kind of like, okay, we'll go with you. And they all get mm-hmm. into the boat. And I just imagine them, you know, being out there and it's nighttime and they haven't caught anything. And the fact that this is just a, a repeat of when they first, the first mm-hmm. time they meet Jesus and how yeah. beautiful Jesus is setting this up to them. And I just kind of envision him on the shore with a twinkle in his eye, like, he knows he's going to call out to them and they're going to be like, no, we have, I feel like Peter's like, no, I haven't caught any fish again. I'm out here all night. And that Jesus is kind of like playing with them a little bit. I see him as very playful in this gospel. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of seeing with the twinkle in the eye and, and there, and I just imagine Peter, like, who is this guy on the shore asking me if I caught any fish? Like he's already mm-hmm. in a bad mood, um, <laughs> you know, and they're, they've got this guy yelling to them from the beach and then, of course, it's John. It's always John. And I love, mm-hmm. again, he quietly tells Peter. I feel like if I was John, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. You know, I would be screaming it out to everybody because I figured it out. But, yeah, John right. is kind of, you know, he's kind of quietly like, Peter, that's that's the Lord. And then the, the, seeing Peter's impulsivity. And I so relate to Peter as a Catholic because I just feel like he's so human and mm-hmm. he, he's often trying to do the right thing, but he often just puts his foot in his mouth or just, you know, his impulsivity gets him into trouble. And I, mm-hmm. I really relate to that. <laughs> you said a lot there. So I want to jump in and, oh, and sure, maybe please. kind of address. So like, yeah, you're, he, you're absolutely right. It's amazing to me that we've come full circle, that he calls them when they're fishing. And I like how you said that, you know, after all of this tumultuous, tumultuous, like, resurrection and crucifixion, what they've been through, they go back to what they know. And I just think that's, I don't know um, if you want to speak a little bit more to that, because I think that that's very human and we can relate to that as well. Like going back to something that, you know, something that you, you're, you're, you know, will just kind of level you out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just, it makes them human. I just remember growing up Mm -hmm. and thinking, I don't get this Catholic faith. I heard the names Peter and Paul. They didn't seem like real people to me. And when I read a gospel like this, I'm like, oh, I get it. That's a real guy. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I've been like, I, everything's too stressful for me. I have to just go breathe for a moment or let me go for a walk or let me go for a mm-hmm. run or call a friend, something that will ground me. And the mm-hmm. fact that Peter does that, it, it gives me a real connection to him that brings mm-hmm. the gospel to life for me. Something yeah. that strikes me about this, it's like that they don't recognize him at first. And I feel like that's, that happens a lot. And like, as I mentioned, it's not until they have a meal with him. And so when I teach this with my students, they kind of get it. They're like, oh, well, it's, you know, reminiscent of the Eucharist and that, you know, we recognize Jesus's presence in the breaking of bread. So it makes sense that, you know, this podcast is named after the road to Emmaus, like a reference to the road to Emmaus, which is another gospel where he appears after the resurrection and they recognize him in in a meal. Um, And so they kind of get that, but it's funny to me still that, that he's on the shore as you described and just kind of hanging out and calling out to them and they don't recognize him. And he, I know when you said, um, when you were reading it, you read it so beautifully. I can tell you're an actress. You gave, like, <laughs> Thank the you. characters had came to life. And so um, I was really struck the way that you said children, because that word had never jumped out to me the way Jesus speaks oh, to yeah. him. He says to them, children, have you caught anything? And I kind of like read right over that. So I don't know what, can you, can we talk about why, why do you think he uses that word? Yeah, you know, I think it it speaks to his playfulness. And I also taught mm-hmm. CCD. And one of the things that I I said to my students, I tell them, you know, Jesus gave people nicknames. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. used to call John and James the sons of thunder. And I, mm-hmm. I just, that makes me laugh. It just, it gives him another, um, another facet to his personality mm-hmm. that, that, that 
makes him more relatable. Even our Lord, who, you know, when I came back to the faith, I really didn't, it wasn't the faith. I fell in love with Jesus as a person. Mm. I know that sounds mm -hmm. weird, but I think people that maybe have had a, a reversion or conversion experience can maybe understand that. I just, it was Jesus, it's him. And to, mm -hmm. to be able to kind of have a little insight into his human personality. And I just think he, you know, he calls them children. It's so many, it's so deep. He calls them children because they are his children in a way. He calls them children because he's a little playful with them. I, I just think there's so many things to everything he says. And it's, it's just very moving to me. He could be profound and playful at the same time. And he knows them so well. I just, I just see him on the beach, like kind of smiling as he says it. Hey, do you guys yeah, catch children. anything yet? Yeah, children. Yeah. <laughs> like he knows full well they haven't caught anything. Like, right, you know? right. He's playing with them for sure. Absolutely. I also, um, you mentioned it's John that recognizes it. And uh, my students always notice too, like, well, I'll say like, oh, it was John. And they're like, well, wait, it doesn't say John. And I'm like, okay, look at, look at what the text says. And John references himself as this throughout his gospel and it, he refers to himself as this disciple whom Jesus loved and yeah. I love that and my students are like that's kind of bold to be like oh you know I'm the beloved one but I'm like also it's beautiful that we that he recognizes how loved he is you know absolutely absolutely and I agree with your students too because when I first started like really looking into the gospels and reading the bible I was like what's up with John like yeah <laughs> you know, like oh all right, I'm, I'm the one Jesus loved, you know, and I just thought it, it struck me as odd, but I agree. I think it's so beautiful that he's able to say, yes, the Lord loves me. And mm -hmm. I, I think we should all strive to that and be confident in that and grounded in that love. And he's just, his humility, John's humility, his deference to Peter when they run to the tomb and he gets there first, but he allows Peter mm -hmm. to go in first. And again, John's much better than me because he's not like shouting everybody. It's Jesus on the shore. He just kind of quietly tells Peter. And then of mm -hmm. course, Peter like jumps into the water, which is just. That's a good point. Like it's a contrast of personalities. And I've never, I guess, thought of John as more kind of like holding back. And yeah. we know yeah. that Pe we know that Peter just like goes all in, right? Like he's the one who like jumps oh into gosh. the water yeah. to like try to walk on it. And like, yeah, so he's definitely like very bold and brash. And that's, it's beautiful that. Jesus builds our church on him and picks him, you know, in all of his flaws. And I want to talk more about Peter um, when we get to the kind of the latter half that we didn't read. Yes, I definitely yes. want to refer to. But let's let's finish up with this first like one through 14. So they they re realize it's him finally. And he yep. performs the miracle, which I think for me and my students, you know, we remember the miracle where he multiplies the loaves and the fish you know, in earlier in the gospels. And so I think this kind of also helps them to remember like, oh yes, it is the Lord. Um, and then right. they eat breakfast. He's like, yeah. come have breakfast. Yeah. I don't know. What, yeah. do you, what do you make of the rest of the scene? I just, I, again, I love it. So I often think that, you know, that Peter impulsively jumps out, he swims ashore and then he gets to the shore and he's like, oh wait, I, you know, he kind of remembers that moment where he denied Jesus. I think that's still on his mind. I think that's one of the things that Peter struggles with, even though, They've seen the Lord twice now. I think he gets to the shore and he's like, uh-oh, the last mm -hmm. time we saw each other, it wasn't too good. So I feel like he's yeah. a little anxious about that. But Jesus is just like, again, that twinkle in his eye. So so grab some of those fish, Peter, come have breakfast. It's just so endearing. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's probably mm -hmm. the wrong word to speak about our Lord, but it just, it's, he prov he's providing for them. He just knows and he just, he's going to take it slow here and we're going to, I'm going to feed you and we're going to have a little chat. And I just love that. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. No, the, the, the abundance. Um, so yeah, the numbers, uh, numbers are always really symbolic in scripture. And um, I don't know all of what all of the Hebrew numbers, but they would use number seven, for example, to show like a covenant or promise, which is why we right. have like seven days of creation. 40 oh, is always yeah. very like penitential. Um, oh. So I have in my footnotes from the gospel in my translation that 153, because that's how many it says um, fish yes. they caught. Yes. That that Greek, Greek zoologists cataloged 153 species of fish. Oh, really? Then. So it's like, I guess he's caught, it's showing that he caught like all of the fish of all different types of fish that, you know, it's just, I think, showing wow. that he's like God yeah. and powerful. Yeah. And, and he's going to catch all kinds of people. He's going to get them all. It's right. It's yes. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I'm always struck by the God's overabundance, like consistently mm-hmm. in the New Testament, the Gospels, when he makes wine, he doesn't just make some wine. He makes an enormous amount of wine. And here he doesn't <laughs> just give them fish to feed them for breakfast. He give, it's, it's so much more than they actually need. And yeah. I've had that experience in my own life with God. Like just, you know, I was somewhere uh, vacationing. I went on a trip by myself, a volunteer trip, and there was a couple of other people there, but, you know, and they were very nice, but I didn't really connect. And I just remember praying God to God, just saying, I just need one person here that I can connect with, you know, mm-hmm. that I, you know, I was looking for someone the next day, a busload of people from Homa, Louisiana, which is like my, you know, these are my peeps shows up <laughs> to spend the rest of the week oh, with us. Wow. And it's just like, I was so struck by that. Like I asked for one friend, he gave me a busload of people and oh. just, it's so, you know, he's just, he's just not going to be outdone in his generosity and mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's it it's moving. They can't mm-hmm. even they can't even get the get the net out of yeah. the water hardly. Right. Yeah. No, that's a beautiful story that you shared. And I hope that we could hopefully most of us or I hope all of us can point to like, you know, more than one of those moments, you know, where he was so mm. faithful, like abundantly faithful in our lives. I think that's a good thing Absolutely. to reflect on. Cause I don't I don't you know, we reflect more on like what we need and what our necessity yeah. is rather than like the abundance of things we've been given, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we really don't need a lot and we have right. a lot. So it's great. Right. It's great. Right. Well, I want to get into this next part. We didn't read this part, um, but I, right after the scene where they eat breakfast, Jesus and Peter kind of go aside and we, you had referenced that on Good Friday at the crucifixion, Peter denies knowing Jesus when he's questioned, you know, people say, aren't you friends with him? And people are like, Peter just says, no, I don't know him. And so here we have the scene where Jesus pulls Peter aside and um, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And I don't, you know, there's no coincidences here. Um, So what would you like to say about this scene between Peter and Jesus? I I love it because Mm -hmm. um, first of all, Jesus doesn't let Peter off the hook. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I don't think Peter realizes so I just get a kick out of these gospels sometimes, especially Peter. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think he realizes where this is going. So when he answers it the first time, he's like, yes, yes, I love you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus mm-hmm. asked him a second time, I feel he got a little bit like uncomfortable. He's like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so by the third time, he's just like, yeah. I mean, I feel like Peter's like, so yes, Lord. Like he really wants the Lord to know how much he loves him. And I just, what a gift it is from our Lord to Peter to really like clean the slate. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Peter could have really felt completely like this was taken care of and I can move forward if it if he hadn't said that three times, because mm-hmm. I, I, I think it bothered him. I think it really, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course it mm-hmm. did. But, you know, in my mind, relating to Peter, I was, knowing how I like 
go over things and can get caught up in little things that I said 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I can imagine <laughs> Peter was like, that's probably all he thought about since that time, because I think it was really, especially in contrast to the last supper when he says, I'll never, uh, uh, you know, I, right. Not me, Lord, or I'll go, <laughs> you know, and then he ends up denying. And so it's just so beautiful that how deeply Jesus knows Peter and provides for him, just like he mm-hmm. provides the fish for them to eat. And he's going, mm-hmm. you know, he's just, he's going to be with them. He's going to take care mm-hmm. of all of them. It's not going to be simple as we see at the end, you know, they're going to, right. you know, it's not an easy road, but he's going to provide and be there. And I just, it's so moving. And again, speaking, thinking about growing up and hearing these stories and not even realizing that I could use these stories and the things that Jesus says to the disciples and the apostles, that he's saying them to me. I never got that yeah. piece growing up. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, okay, he's talking to Peter. <laughs> it mm-hmm. never, like, I never could be like, oh, well, maybe what he said to Peter has something, you know, for you in it. Mm-hmm. So as an adult to come and read these, it's just, it's in those times when I struggle with maybe things that I've done in my past, it, mm-hmm. it's really helpful to see a passage like this, where if Peter can deny our Lord three times like that in such a moment, surely God is willing to forgive me for some of the things that I've done. And I can't tell you how many times at three o'clock in the morning I've thought about this passage and, and it's been helpful that that 3 a.m. anxiety. I don't know if anybody else has that, but (laughs) I'm sure you're not alone. I'm sure in that. I I think it's a beautiful scene of reconciliation, you know, that, it shows that we do have to maybe come face to face with either certain issues in our lives or certain people and just how powerful that is when we do have those true moments of reconciliation. And I think it speaks to like the power of confession and how like that weight is lifted when you, you know, make a good confession. Amen, and I want to point, yeah, <laughs> um, point out, so again, I'm, you know, a theology scripture nerd and in our English language, we have like one word for love. Like I love pizza. I love my mom. And it's very different types of love, hopefully, you know, right. But in the Greek language, they had the different words for the specific relationship. So like philia is the love of a friend or family member or brother. And then um, agape or agape is like the sacrificial love of Jesus. So I had a priest one time use this passage and say that like, you know, the first couple of times maybe Jesus is saying like do you love me like a brother like philia and Peter's like yeah you know I love you like a brother you know and then at the end he's like no do you agape like are you going to sacrifice are you going to give your life up for me and that's why I think when Peter it hits him a little harder you know like the and so looking at it that way um brings more to this too absolutely absolutely Peter he does give up his life eventually, you know, as a early Christian martyr. So, yes. And actually um, I was thinking of, I think I saw something about the detail earlier in this, in this passage that we read about Peter being naked. I was like, what's up with that? <laughs> but, you know, looking it up, some of the clothing that they wore, uh, the outer clothing wasn't really good for manual labor. It was kind of billowy or whatever. So he had probably, probably like in his underwear or just his undergarment. And it's kind of like, why does John even put that detail in and something Mm -hmm. I was reading was talking about how that impulsivity and that Peter just kind of jumping in, he's going to grow and change from that. And he's going to be willing to be led where God wants him to go. And -hmm. I thought that was really interesting to, to kind of John includes it because at the very end, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a contrast between how Peter is on the boat and he 
takes off his garment or puts on his garment and he jumps in and he's impulsively and he just starts the mission. But Jesus is saying, actually, you know, you're going to, you're going to mature a little bit and you're going to be less impulsive and you're going to, to think about what you're doing a little bit more. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I just thought that was, that was striking. And, and John, I just love the way John includes details that some of the other gospels don't have and the way he likes to tell the story. Absolutely. I love, I love John's gospel and you're right. It says, I think it's in verse seven that he was lightly clad and yes, then jumped yes, into the sea. Yes. And it makes me think when you were talking in Mark's gospel in the agony in the garden scene, yeah. um, this is such a weird detail, but you know, it's agony and garden scene is intense and there's all these, like, it's right after he's arrested and the um, soldiers, like the ears cut off. Yes. And and then it says that this naked man like runs away from the scene. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but if you go back and look, it's like at the end of Mark's gospel. Then like after this arrest, they arrest Jesus. Then a naked, a naked man runs away. And it's, I was taught that it's Mark, including himself in the gospel. Oh, and kind really? Of like, yeah. And like, kind of like what you're speaking to that he's going to like follow Jesus, oh, wow. you know, no matter what kind of thing. But yeah, so it's definitely like a thing, like the naked guy. That's, yeah, running that's after so Jesus. funny. That's a detail. I'm going to definitely go back and look for that yeah. because it's like the yeah. children thing. And that's the thing about the gospels and Willie off the, all of the Bible. I mean, some of these stories you've heard so many times, but you can mm-hmm. read it. And no matter how many times you've heard it, you get something new. And I just think that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think that that story Zacchaeus, uh, where Jesus is walking mm-hmm. through the town. There's the short guy in town, the tax collector who can't see, so he climbs up in the tree. It's a mm-hmm. pretty simple story, and I've heard it so many times. And I remember I was in a group, like a prayer group, when we were reading, and I was like, oh, not the Zacchaeus story. I've already given all my insight about this story. <laughs> and sure enough, we read it again, and I was like, wow, you know what? I bet Zacchaeus fell out of that tree when Jesus said, I'm coming to your house for dinner. I bet he was so uh-huh. like, What? you know, so always something you can find in there. And it's, it's really beautiful. And I just think that it's so reflective of the facets of God and his Mm -hmm. love for us. Like it's never, it's inexhaustible. The Bible is inexhaustible. Mm -hmm. The insights are inexhaustible. God is inexhaustible and his love for us. And it's, it's quite moving and it's restorative and nourishing. I also feel like this kind of dialogue, like looking at scriptures. I love this because there's something deeply satisfying about looking at this, not only alone, but with someone and saying, look what I Mm -hmm. see and look what you see. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like having a great meal. And I think Jesus talks about that. This is nourishment for the soul. Mm -hmm. And I I get that. I know people, I was kind of pausing and taking a break in, in um, this mid season, my second season and just discerning, do I still want to do this? But like you said, the scripture is inexhaustible. Like I could do this forever if I wanted, I, you know, absolutely. depending on who I talk to. Yeah. Like there's no end to it. People are like, I'm going to continue with it. I'm like, even if I do every verse, which I couldn't possibly do, you right. know, if I have different guests, I'm going to get different things from it. And absolutely. I was when, you were, when you were talking, um, what age group do you teach? You know, I, I've taught second grade and then I taught eighth seventh and eighth grade. Okay. So I teach middle school and I was going to say when I, you know, I, same thing, I've taught the same thing for 11 years now. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it could get really, it could get really, but it doesn't because when I open the stuff up with them, they, they notice different things and they bring something to it. So, um, same thing that we're doing here, I get to do with them, which is, it's pretty cool. It's, It's so I, it's my favorite thing to do really. And you could be just like the church every three years, you just start the cycle again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, as we um, close out, I wanted to like, so part of the purpose of this podcast is also to kind of like try to apply it to what can we get from this today? Like we've, we've spoken, I think about a lot of things about reconciliation and friendships and things, but I don't know, what would you like us to kind of take away from this, like kind of a, a real life application or lesson? You know, I just think to remember that no matter what Jesus is there for us, he's accessible. He's got a humanity that's relatable and, um, it's okay to be human and to be in love with Jesus. <laughs> That's my takeaway because Peter yeah. was a man. He was so human and, and flawed and always striving. And, and he was greatly loved by, by God. And mm-hmm. I just think that that's something I need to remember all the time because I like to beat mm-hmm. myself up. I'm not perfect. And how could God love me? And look at all this stuff that I've messed up or things like that. So no, mm-hmm. no. And then like, like we were saying earlier to that abundance, like not only does he yeah. still love you, but he loves you abundantly. Abundantly, and, abundantly. Yeah, and that's, that's thing. one of the things about the Catholic faith that I think is so great is that it's, it's about this abundance of life, you know, enjoy mm-hmm. life. I mean, life is hard. That's why God gave us ice cream. So enjoy some ice cream, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> not gluttony, mm-hmm. but enjoy mm-hmm. it. Enjoy it. Abundance. Mm-hmm. Abundanza, as they say. Is that Italian? Yes. Yes, I think so. I'm not Italian, but I feel like that's what they say. And it's wonderful. Oh, well, Patty, as we wrap up here, I like to give people a chance to plug. And I know that you've got a lot going on, some projects that you're starting. So what would you like to for us to check out or where can we find you? Yes, I am going to be starting a podcast at the end of June called Crazy Catholic Lady. It's going to be a little bit of comedy, a little bit of Catholicism, and a whole lot of fun. Um, I don't have the exact date that that's going to launch, but you can follow me on Instagram at Crazy Catholic Lady. And um, that's pretty much the best place to find out what I'm up to. Awesome. And for our listeners who um, want to learn more about this podcast or talk scripture with me, you can find me at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out on Instagram. And I also have a Twitter account where I talk a lot about um, my teaching and, and education endeavors. And that's at Miss Struckley One, M S S T R U K E L Y One on Twitter. And I'd love to talk scripture with you. Thank you, Patty, so much for being here. I loved our oh, conversation today. It's great. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. <laughs>